0: Happy New Year, Disruptors. Welcome to 2024. And welcome back to another episode of the Liberation Lab podcast. As you know, we took a little bit of a break uh, with Christmas and New Year's, and we're back with part two of Black Girls Deserve Better. In this episode, I have the honor of chopping it up with Ebony Janice, and uh, she's unpacking um, womanist futures, what it means to teach black girls in our schools and lacing us with uh, a knowledge of how we can move forward in a better way so grab your favorite drink your favorite coffee pull up and let's chop it up for a few
1: peace i got to always be ebony janice whatever that looked like in that moment sometimes that looked a little chaotic because i was a child and children are becoming right before our eyes that's good yeah, that's it, and so the teachers, I I could name them. You know, I could say that uh, Pamela Ann Mellon, who was my senior English teacher, a white woman, um, which I'm noting because I think that a good educator, obviously in this society, you know, has to be more than just another black woman that can speak to the black girl child. It's just not the reality, right? But Pamela Ann Mellon. I didn't learn a lot in her class, but I can't even necessarily say that I learned a lot. Like I like there was all this information that was just, oh, this is new information. She what was so profound about her. I got two very quick stories. One story. I remember I was in study hall and I was finishing this book called um, Black Girl in Paris by Shea Youngblood. I'm I am 40. The fact that I'm talking about something that happened 23 years ago is wild. I finished the book. And I was feeling something and I couldn't explain it. I got a hall pass to go and I went to Miss Mellon. She was teaching another class at the time. She came to the door and I started crying and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, this is actually about to prove how much of a nerd I am. I started crying. She was like, what's wrong? I was like, I just finished this book and I'm just feeling some kind of way. And she got teary eyed with me and said, my darling, you just read a good book. And it was such a, like, a moment of, like, oh, that is exactly what it was. I just yeah. read a book that I saw myself in. I And and so that wasn't, like, a teaching moment. It was just a, like, this lady stopped her class, came to the door, gave me that moment, and then sent me on my way. And another, another thing that, you know, example that I would use about, this isn't something that I learned from her, but I just was in process in her space. I we had to choose a poet for this particular you know, activity and none of the poets were, the only black poet was Gwendolyn Brooks. And I just remember just saying out loud in that classroom, does this feel problematic to anybody else? <laughs> that there's only one black poet on this list? Mm-hmm. And Pamela Ann Mellon said, actually it is problematic. Let's add some more black poets. You are correct. She could have been, you know, defensive about that. She could have been, you know, she could have said the list is the list. She could have done what a lot of educators do. This is the curriculum. We're sticking to it. And she did not do that. And she did not take it personal that I didn't see myself fully, you know, represented in this space, even though I was one of maybe two black kids in that class. It didn't matter, you know, it didn't matter to her. Like, girl, the people in this class are represented. Sorry, you know, that didn't matter to her. She let me be in process in so many moments. And so I think that, you know, a part of my freedom dreaming for, particularly for young Black girls, if you read the book that I wrote, All the Black Girls Are Activists, A Fourth Wave Woman is Pursuit of Dreams is Radical Resistance. There's a chapter called In Pursuit of Loudness. And it really is about loudness, this idea that Black girls are too loud which then becomes yeah. synonymous with ghetto which yep. then becomes yep. synonymous with problematic which then you know we're forced into this you know we know the data about the adultification of young black girls and That's so we nice. have to be grown we have to be responsible we have to be all these things and we never get to be a little bit of a mess and we never get to you know and so my my suggestion or my assertion in this particular chapter is that just by showing up as myself, I'm going to be judged and critiqued this too loud. Mm. I used to teach a, a women and gender and women and gender studies department um, at a school in New Jersey. And one of the classes that I taught was girls. Girlhood Jersey. And- Go ahead. I'm sorry. girls girlhood and girl culture and um, the curriculum the syllabus given to me was very white you know why Mm. because the actual study the invention of women's studies and girl studies is talking about white women and white girls so of course a black girl showing up as herself is too loud because she's not even considered in the curriculum in the first place
0: yes yes
1: So that's a part of, that's I think the first thing that comes to me when I think about my freedom dreaming for young black girls, for black girls, for black women, for black femmes in this education experience that they're having is that people would give black girls the space to just be in process out loud and to not critique it as all of these very harsh things that end up happening to us Mm -hmm. and with us. Because remember, we're talking about children. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Which I think is a thing that very often gets lost in the in the discussion when we talk about students in general, but particularly young Black students, even more particularly young Black girls.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, I, I thought I think of pictures. And it's kind of how it, it helps me frame things. And which? I was thinking about, have you seen the Divergent series?
1: I don't know. Have I seen the Divergent series?
0: Everybody has like a a house. Like, it's this okay. dystopian reality. They all okay. have a house or a clan or a group, right? And okay. um, and essentially, this one person has all of the characteristics of all the houses in this one body, in this okay. one person, okay? And, um, you know, usually that's something that they kick out, ostracize, might even kill it. Like, you can't have it. Like, you have to be one of the four. You don't mm-hmm. fall into one of the four. It's a wrap for you, right? Um, and as you kind of go through the series, once you get to a certain point where there's this rebellion against the leaders of these four, like who are making these people fit into these classes, do these different things, this, mm-hmm. this whole thing. But then you find out that all of this is happening within this wall. And if you go beyond the wall, there were a group of people who put these folks in the wall, and hmm. is watching it go. And my point in bringing that up is, I think that, like at the end of it, there's a group of people who decide to stay and hmm. live hmm. where they were, then experience the freedom beyond the wall because they don't yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And I and I know that there are many educators who have experienced and know. Wait a minute, there is life beyond the wall. Mm-hmm. But i only know how to do it this way so Mm -hmm. i'm going to continue to make you fit within these four Mm -hmm. houses i'm going to continue to adultify i'm going to continue to label and ostracize i'm going to continue to recommend you for special ed because i don't understand you Mm -hmm. i'm going to continue to do all of these things because at the end of the day i don't know what's beyond that wall Mm -hmm. and i love that you have given us a lens to say i don't get beyond the wall by making one grandiose move, mm-hmm. I get beyond the wall by deciding what am I going to do for freedom today?
1: Today, every single day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Both, both to that, both to students yeah. and to educators. That is certainly, I think, profound language and a profound tool because for students, you know, it's unfair. That's what I want to start by saying. It's not fair that we have to advocate for ourselves in these Mm -hmm. ways, Mm -hmm. right? I, my friend, I mentioned, you know, childhood friend Susan Smith. Susan Smith was not having to think about the kinds of things that I was having to think about when we were in school together because just because I was born in this body, in this, you know, there are things that I'm navigating that she will never have to think about, especially not as a little girl, you know, especially not safety town, kindergarten, pre, you know, first grade, right? She's not thinking about the same things that I was thinking about. Yeah, And that's not fair. And I think sometimes our students need us to tell them, it's not fair that you're having to have this experience and also, and let's just breathe into that for a second. Yeah. And you're going to have to advocate for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so what does that look like? You know, on a daily basis for you to every single day, do something for freedom every single day. And that's, that isn't easy, but it's worth it because, who I have been able to become in the life that I've been able to imagine for myself as a result of nobody, nobody that mattered to me, nobody's voice who mattered to me, you know, as a little girl telling me that's not okay for you to speak up for yourself. You know, if I ever got in trouble at school for so-called talking back or anything at all like that, my parents already knew what I, before the full story was out, Oh, she was speaking up for herself. And so even if there was some unfortunate discipline from the school, I didn't experience that discipline from my parents, right? In the same Mm -hmm. way, because my parents already like, yes, I support you speaking up for yourself. And thankfully had such a community that these folk didn't want to fool with Carrie Cassandra more, because if Mm -hmm. she had to come up to that school to tell them, leave my child alone, (laughs) y'all know what it is, you know, then she was going to do that. And so, but for students, that's what I wanted to start with students to say that it's not fair that you're having to advocate for yourself because your classmates don't necessarily, your non-black in particular classmates don't necessarily have the same experience. And yeah. also it is it is good for you to know that every single day making that choice. And for educators, it's the same thing. I think particularly as black educators, you know, yeah. we are maneuvering through our own stuff with our career, with our you know coworkers, with the system that we're a part of, and also at the same time trying to be a safe space for you know Black and Brown students, Black students in particular, right? And that's not fair. So let's take a moment to breathe into that. That's not fair. I yeah. Like I like to come to work and just teach my class and go home. I'd like to not be the diversity and inclusion specialist. I'd like to not have to be in charge of all the programming when it comes to diversity. I'd like to not be on this, you know, supplemental committee. I'd love that. That would be wonderful.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not fair. And also, you're going to have to advocate for yourself. And also, you might have to burn a couple bridges because- Mm. Any bridge that leads you to a place where you don't get to be free, anyways, is not a bridge worth crossing back, anyways. Hmm. So to deny ourselves, I'm done with this sermon. To think about all the times as educators time. or professionals, <laughs> don't don't tell me to take my time. <laughs> but think about all of all of the moments as educators and professionals where someone was harming us or harming our students. And we didn't say anything because we were trying to keep the peace or you know how they are or whatever. What what happened to all that rage? Where did it go? Hmm. What did we do with it? Usually probably took it home and caused harm in our family or in our personal lives because we didn't take the the moment right we were trying to be so appropriate or you know feeling so forced into a code switch or not trying to be come across as aggressive or angry or whatever other stereotypes we have historically been forced into and by doing all that trying to avoid all that we avoided the freedom thing (laughs) we avoided saying the thing that needed to be said this isn't okay we may still be doing this tomorrow but this isn't okay for the record. Yeah. And if that puts me in a position where now I don't get to whatever, at the very least, the seed has been planted that this isn't okay. Yeah. And again, the burning of the bridge, right? I don't, I will burn down any bridge that leads me to a place where I didn't get to be Ebony Janice, anyways. Because the last thing, the, it's not even on the list, so I can't even say the last thing. But the, the the sure thing that I'm never going to ever be invested in is living this life miserably. Not me. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I'm gonna be miserable, I'm gonna do it being true, Ebony Janice. Not some piece of myself that mm-hmm. you know is 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 harmful to my whole spirit, soul, and body. I deserve better than that, little Ebony Janice deserves better than that and future versions of me future more free versions of me will only exist if i make that choice in this moment to say this is what i'm doing for freedom today that's good That's amen real good. amen amen <laughs>
0: i want to thank you um just for for sharing space with 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 us and um, for everyone who would, who would tap into this, like, how how can folks, first of all, support you, tap into your work, buy your book? I'm going to say it again, buy your book. I'm going to say it again, buy your book. <laughs> how can folks do that?
1: Buy my book. Um, my name is Ebony Janice. That is spelled E-B-O-N-Y-J-A-N-I-C-E. Mm-hmm you can find me everywhere at Ebony Janice, including my website, ebonyjanice.com. And really the major way that people can support me in this moment is by buying the book. Um, Buying the book both for yourself and also for a young Black girl and having conversation about it and being in community with it. Here's the thing, I'm, my work as a womanist, of course, centers Black women, girls, and femmes. Yeah. And a book called "All the Black Girls Are Activists." It's. I think it's easy to be. To make the assumption that there's nothing in there for you if you're not a Black girl, hmm. which would be wild because. <laughs> the any all the other texts that don't center Black girls and femmes, we're still somehow able to find the, theme that the thing that is there for us. That's right. But this particular text is profound, I think, in that it's introducing a fourth wave of womanism. And whether or not you identify as a feminist or a womanist otherwise, this fourth wave of womanism that I'm suggesting is going to change the world for all of us. Because this fourth wave of womanism is a group of theologians, educators, activists, you know, practitioners who consider themselves womanist who are ultimately saying that our freedom is not solely going to come from marching petition or from resistance work which is historically what we have been used to and regardless of what wave of feminism or liberation work you consider yourself a part of you are impacted by black women's liberation across identities so so there is no uh disability justice um work without black women's liberation work right there is no lgbtqia you know, movement without Black women's liberation work and tools. There yeah. is no movement for justice in contemporary times that is not impacted by Black women's movement for justice, period. And hmm. that's not an opinion. We can go back to the suffrage movement, <laughs> we can go back to Black women's rebellion, both inside of and outside of. Shadow slavery. There is no movement for justice that has not been impacted by the work that Black women, the foundation that Black women have laid. And so here I am introducing a fourth wave of womanism, which the first, second, and third wave womanists have been approving of. So I'm I'm a little credible, excuse me, pardon me. But here I am. Say all the
0: things, sis. Say them all.
1: Period. Here <laughs> I am excited, you know, introducing this fourth wave of womanism, which is basically saying that this is what our freedom now will look like. So if you are on a journey at all towards freedom and considering yourself an ally, and interested and invested in co-creating a just and equitable society with us, that means that All the Black Girls Are Activists is introducing language to really help us get seated in the idea of what it will look like for us to get just a little bit closer to freedom today. And this in this new wave of womanism and that impacts all people because we know this yeah as black women are free all people are free, are free. come on now mm-hmm.
0: listen y'all please support the brilliance and the genius that is ebony janice by her book um and tap into wherever you can find her and her thank work you. um thank you so much as for 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 stopping through and
1: thank you for having me thank you for this beautiful platform and thank you i i also part of the definition of womanism and this is my benediction is um a womanist part two definition loves women uh sometimes sexually sometimes not sexually loves men sometimes sexually sometimes not sexually but that loves men part is important because again what i brought up joan morgan you know womanists love black men like we feel that there is no possibility that we can really be as free as we intend to be without black men being on this journey with us.
0: Yeah.
1: Deeply invested in this journey with us and and we feel a responsibility to and with black men even when we got to call you out on your folly and you know whatever is happening. And so I I love when black men are showing up to these kinds of conversations just offering using your own privilege right just offering mm. a platform to lift a discussion on you know black women's black girls black fem's issues it is it is profound and i applaud you and celebrate you and encourage you to continue you know using your privilege in these ways because while we love you deeply we need you deeply <laughs> you know mm. as well yeah
0: yeah and, and I hope that even through our conversation and through those who would who would hear it and those who tap into either of our work, uh, that more more of our Black boys, mm-hmm. more of our Black men would love and support Black women, not for what they can get out of them, but mm-hmm. they can extract,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: But simply because they deserve to be in their full, authentic, and And have autonomy over what that looks like. and so um thank you for your work and thank you for thank for helping you. folks like me get ourselves together.
1: thank you for le- thank you for being available for it, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.